Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so, large device or small. And since it is now 2021, the year, not the time of day, but the year, that means one thing. It's time to discuss the championships for our last Football Fridays in Georgia podcast of this football season. Hannah, we made it. We did make it, John. Well, I made it. You didn't quite make it into the studio today. I okay, was looking so, forward to right. seeing you, and you're okay. not here. Well, all right. So <laughs> let me pull. Let me pull back the curtain here. I'm doing the show remotely this week. Uh, Hannah's in studio, and, and the reason is when you have a 24 year old car that has north of 357 thousand miles on it, and you the beast. go get yeah the beast. When the beast gets an oil ad, not an oil change, but an oil ad, and that's where we are these days. When you get an oil ad and it's a half mile from the place where you get your oil ad to the Casa or to Office HD, and the only thing that you can really see is smoke coming out from (laughs) under the hood and out the side door of the hood, uh, it's time to perhaps uh, invest in a new automobile. So the Beast beast has uh, gone through its last football season. And we will be looking into investing into a newer automobile. So there will be a newer automobile for football season 2021. Which is huge for John. For those of you who don't know, the Beast was John's father's car. Yep. And I feel so bad that the Beast has has driven her last few miles. But I'm excited for you, John, to have a secure mode of transportation. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not happy about <laughs> dropping significant dollars into a new automobile. But no, the uh, it's as you said, it's my dad's car and I still have his California license plate on the front. And it's a 1997 Toyota Camry and I know that a lot of mechanics will sit there and say, "Yeah, it's, you're only halfway through." I was lucky to get it to 350. And when I was talking to my sister about it, and I was explaining this is probably the beast last football season, she's like, is there any way you can get it to 400,000 miles? And I'm like, no. That is not Not happening. possible. Not safe. Not, today not is safe. Exhibit A. Yes, today is Exhibit A. And so this is our last Football Fridays in Georgia podcast mm-hmm. for the year uh, of the football season 2020. And, you know, Hannah, as we look back, the championships – while different, it was still fun, and it was great to see all the different uh, all the different schools, and to see flag football off the top. I, I thought was really cool. Yeah, John, we hosted seventeen shows over ten games, thirty six hours total, three <laughs> days. My brain was so mush by the time we got to the seven a game. I don't really remember a whole lot of happened that game besides. Jay Garcia. Um, But it it was a whirlwind. It was so much fun. And the fact that we got to showcase women's flag football on Monday before the boys game started was so much fun. I have the the first game was a little shaky. The first game started out a little slow. So that was Portal versus Calvary Day. And the Cavaliers made history winning the first ever official GHSA girls flag football championship six to nothing. But then the next game. It was the Division II matchup between West Forsyth and Hillgrove. The Wolverines pulled it out 26-25 to in double overtime. There were one-handed catches. There were jukes. 
It was so much fun. And I have heard more about that game than I have about any of the other championship games from anyone, John. Well, and, you know, you look at uh, an athlete like Lauren Render, who's going to Virginia Tech on a lacrosse scholarship and the, the grabs that she was making for for Hillgrove. And it's just, you know, we talk about athleticism and then Hillgrove just it's like, all right, let's try to create matchup problems. And you get as, as talented a receiver and an athlete as you got to see in her. Uh, I think it was part and parcel to the whole thing. And uh, I'll give you a quick story. I was catching up with Chad Griffin, the athletic director for Calvary Day and the head coach for the flag football team. He told me that one of one of his girls, Navia Hamilton, the coach for a school in Florida, for a university in Florida, called Chad after the game and wanted to give Navia Hamilton a scholarship. Wow. Because yes. he was because See, he that's was why watching, we air these games. Because he was watching the games on GPB, there had been interest in her. Love it. And so he calls Chad and the there's an offer for a scholarship on the table for a flag football squad because of what they were watching on GPB. Love it. Full full chills. Congratulations and, and, to her. And all and one of the other cool things on social media about flag football was that folks were talking about it on, on Twitter. They were saying, Thanks for giving me the addiction that I didn't know that I had until I started watching. <laughs> oh and yeah. So to to see that kind of stuff with flag football, I thought was very, very cool. It's uh Ernie Yarborough's baby at the Georgia High School Association to be able to broadcast those games and to to see the athleticism, I thought was just really, really cool to start the weekend off. Yeah, and how the division divisions work. Division one is single A through five A. Division two is six A through seven A. So with it being the first year, we're hoping that more teams join in the coming season so that we can follow along and and maybe even broadcast some more games. So that was a lot of fun. We have Matt Stewart on, the voice of GPB when it comes to play by play. Uh, we'll have him on to recap every single championship game and uh there were just under 100 schools in flag football that were engaged this year and obviously there were there would be larger numbers if there were no COVID 19 concerns and things like that for schools but yeah great way to start the weekend with flag football and so now it's time to catch up on the other championships so here's our talk with matt all right matt uh, i guess first and foremost has your voice recovered Oh, my voice was fine the whole time. I've I've kind of learned along the way with uh, assist from you with the throat coat that uh, yeah. I keep drinking that throughout the course of the finals, and I and I'm pretty good. Yeah. So assist to you, John Nelson. I learned from you, the veteran, <laughs> to drink the throat coat tea with honey, and it's a it's a charm. It, it is all about the pacing. I know that we're going to blow through all the championships here. Hannah, what's first on your mind? Yeah, let's just recap each game, get, get Matt's thoughts since he called five of eight of the boys' games. Great job, Matt. So we'll get Thank things you. started with the single-A private game between Trinity Christian and PAC. Quarterback Brock Vandegrift and the Wolverines were too much for the Lions. They won this one 41-21 for their first-ever state title. Matt, what are your biggest takeaways from that game? Well, Brock Vandegrift and his dad, Greg, the head coach, kind of the revenge tour. They were able to get revenge on pretty much all the teams that had been their nemesis the last few years, Athens Academy and uh, Elka in particular on the way. And then they faced an upstart Cinderella team in Trinity Christian in uh, Coach Kenny Dallas and his sons, David and Joshua, uh, who are going to be big time stars for that team. They bring pretty much everybody back. I expect Trinity Christian to be on the stage again, uh, you know, in Trinity 
Trinity Christian, a new school to the GHSA. They were in the GISA state finals in 2017, and here in 2020, they were in the GHSA state finals. I expect them to be a strong contender to get back. Prince Avenue probably has a little rebuilding to do since they graduated a five-star quarterback to the University of Georgia. In fact, he'll be enrolling in classes this week and uh, begin his quest to become the starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs, which is going to be a challenging job given the way JT Daniels finished up the year for the University of Georgia. But congratulations to Prince, a dominating season, I think, outside of their one loss to Rabin County at the beginning of the year. They won their 13 games by average score of 47 to 14. So they were pretty dominant. Single A public, Matt, and it's region rivals going at it where you had three of the four teams in the semis coming out of the region of Doom Region 2, and it was Brooks and Irwin going at it in the final. Once again, two great cities, two great programs, and those juniors from Irwin County that won it last year were seniors this year. They went out going back-to-back. No doubt, and they had to replace some guys. Remember, it wasn't uh, just an automatic repeat. They had to replace some great talent like DJ Lundy and uh, Coach Solidated a tremendous job. This was a team that battled COVID early on. I mean, they lost their first two games of the season uh, in large part because of COVID. Uh, their first loss to Fitzgerald, who got to the uh, state championship game in Double A. Their uh, their entire offensive line was in quarantine until the day of that game. And then the next game they lost to Cook, their top five players got quarantined the day of the game. So uh, those were their two losses outside of their one region loss to their old nemesis, Clinch County, who they didn't have to play in the playoffs this year. They got Brooks County, a new region rival instead. And it was a great game. I thought, in, you know, and in, in, in Gabriel, Gabe and Garland Binyard were worth the price of admission. Both of those guys were named to our all GPB finals team and, and, and Garland as our defensive player of the finals and Gabe as the top athlete, uh, first team athlete, tremendous ball players. And those guys will be starting their careers at Kennesaw State here in 2021 and look forward to following them in college. But it was a fun game. And of course, obviously, with that, what happened 11 months ago, the passing of Coach Buddy Nobles and how that had a huge impact on their season. And Casey Soliday, who had been the interim last year, stepping in and becoming the head coach on a permanent basis. And his son, Cody, the starting quarterback, just a sophomore, will be a big part of what they do going forward the next two years. Yeah, Matt, I talked to some of the players last year, and they basically were like, we are doing this for Buddy. So it was so awesome to see them back in the finals. The Binyard brothers were amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, those were, our, yeah, those were our two games on Monday. We're going to go by our broadcast schedule here. So on Tuesday, we had three games with the even number classifications. Wednesday were the odd number classifications. So the first game on Tuesday, AA got us started. Callaway won its first ever state title against Fitzgerald. The final score 22 to 17. Another first. So congratulations to the Cavaliers there, Matt. And Coach Wiggins, they had been knocking on the door the last couple of years, uh, even with Tank Bigsby, one of the top running backs in the in, you know in the entire nation, they couldn't win it last year. They got stopped in the semifinals, uh, but this year with Charlie Dixon, who was our uh, top running back 
uh, on first team running back. We had three first team running backs and Charlie Dixon was the top of that 229 yards rushing a big kid, six, three to 20 and not yet signed. So I'm, I'm interested to see where he ends up signing that first Wednesday of February on the second national signing day, expect huge things uh, from him going forward and uh, just a tremendous win for those guys, you know, and Fitzgerald coming up short again. It's been since 1948 and they'll have to wait at least another year to try to get that elusive state championship. But congratulations to uh, Callaway finally breaking through after knocking on the door for essentially the last decade. Quad A, Matt, Jefferson and Marist, and we figured that this game might take about an hour and 12 minutes considering the, the offenses that they run. But two of the great coaches that are a part of the fabric of high school football here in the state, Gene Cathcart, who has never been a microphone that he didn't like talking into and giving you fantastic sound each and every time. And Alan Chadwick, who now has 399 career wins in his third state title, dominant, and it was the defense for Marist here in 2020. Indeed, this was a Marist team that uh, Jefferson became the first team all season long to score a touchdown on their first team defense. So that, that tells you how good Jefferson was. No other team... Uh, the entire season through the regular season and the four rounds of the playoffs have been able to score a touchdown against Maris's first team defense and led by Derek McDonald and Henry Clark, both those guys, uh, GPB, all finals honors, uh, McDonald who signed with Syracuse as a tight end, actually uh, first team defense and Henry Clark, a defensive tackle, uh, second team defense. Also Josh Moore uh, in that secondary uh, four star signed with UC. LA was named to our first team all finals team so just a really strong defense all season long you know and you know kind of a typical kind of Marist game they took advantage of field position and Charlie Fleming of course who was our special teams uh, player of the finals uh, with his huge punts in particular his one game-changing punt the kid averaged close to 46 yards per punt in the in the finals but he had the 57 yard punt in that third quarter that pinned Jefferson at the eight yard line and then Charlie from his cornerback position breaks through and makes the tackle in the end zone for the safety that broke a 14-14 tie gave Maris a 16-14 lead in route to their eventual 30 to 14 victory as they scored two touchdowns in that fourth quarter but what a gentleman coach Alan Chadwick in fact I just spoke to him this morning again he was very gracious and very very appreciative and very complimentary of our coverage on GPB. Just a super guy and look forward to him getting win number 400 at the start of the 2021 season and becoming just the second coach in state history to do that. And Jefferson's going to be back. They got Malachi Starks. He's the number three rated athlete in the entire country. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, his top three. So that tells you right there the caliber of athlete he is. And he'll be back next year as a second year quarterback this was his first year as a quarterback and so Malachi Starks will be back next year as well as Jordan Perry who you know tough decisions and after I after we put together the team I looked at that thing and I said you know what my gosh there's no Jordan Perry on this team oversight 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 Jordan Perry is going to be a huge star uh, Caden Bailey the linebacker going to be huge stars for Jefferson I certainly expect those guys to be back and I certainly hope so because I look forward to talking to Gene Cathcart again his self-deprecating humor was one of the highlights <laughs> of the season 
I know, Matt. I talked to him during media days, and he was like, I know I don't look like a coach. I look like a professor, but I'm out here to do this. Um, he I wanna, can coach. Don't oh, let yeah. him fool you. He can coach. I want to talk about Coach Chadwick just a hair more. He was our GBB Coach of the Year. And I love the graphic that you guys ran during the game that said the Internet began when Coach Chadwick started at Marist. So I know that yeah. he had some great things to say about the broadcast and everything like that. But maybe what's your what's one of your favorite Coach Chadwick memories? I just love his discipline. I mean, he's he's not he's the opposite of Cathcart. He's mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to get a whole lot of one liners out of out of Coach Alan Chadwick. The thing that stands out with me about Coach Chadwick was when we televised their game at Flowery Branch in 2019, back when we were able to actually go to games yeah. and stand on the field and talk to coaches face to face, you know, before the pandemic. And hopefully we're able to get back to that sooner than later. Uh, but, you know, just talk talking to him about the longevity of his career, you know, and, and, you know, when might he retire? And he said, look, you know what? I don't play golf. I don't go fishing. I don't have any hobbies. I like to work out. You can tell he stays in shape. I like to work out and I like to coach. If I retire, what am I going to do? So I, you know, just based on that comment right there, as long as he stays in good health and he certainly seems to be that. And certainly we pray that he does uh, because he's approaching 70 years old. You know, I'd love to see Coach Chadwick coach as long as he wants to. Yeah. And I love that we have his bobblehead in our studio. All right. (laughs) Well, one of the best games of the week came from 6A. Buford earned its second state championship in a row and 13th overall against Lee County in a wild overtime game. The Wolves won by a field goal in this one, 34 to 31. Matt, that one had to be fun to call. Oh, yeah. This is a third straight year. We've had an overtime final you know, in 2018, it was Bainbridge beating uh, Warner Robins in triple overtime, which was probably the greatest, you know, GHSA final ever, just simply by the fact it went three overtimes. Uh, and then the last year, of course, Buford beat Warner Robins in overtime, coming from behind to force overtime. And this year, Buford does the same thing again. And it was Ashton Daniels. I mean, it's all the same exact story. Ashton Daniels, backup quarterback. This year, a little bit more accomplished backup quarterback than in 2019 when he had only thrown three, 13 passes the whole year and then came off the bench and led him to the state finals victory over Warner Robins. And then this year, of course, he was it was more of a 50-50 thing, splitting time with Dylan Whitkey. But, you know, him to come in off the bench in the third quarter just like he had done the year before, lead his team from behind, throw a touchdown pass in the last minute of the game, again, to tie the score and send it to overtime. It was, as Yogi Berra would say, deja vu all over again. And, uh, yeah, and for that reason, Ashton Daniels named to our GPB All-Finals team, one of the four quarterbacks that we had on the team. And, you know, when I tweeted that out, he said, man, what an honor. Because you look at the other guys that are on that list with them, Jalen Addy, uh, Jake Garcia, and Brock Vandegrift, you got some pretty talented, high-powered college football players, you know, on that list. And I, my expectation is that Ashton Daniels will end up one himself. He's got one more year to go, and certainly I expect, you know, Buford to be back in this position contending for a state title next year as well. And tough luck for Lee County, too, because Kayla McDowell had had an outstanding year. And you could tell in the overtime, he was really hurting bad. Uh, He was cramping. 
and may have contributed to his fumble and you know the this you know him laying on the ground you could tell he was sobbing because his body was just heaving as he was crying you know just a disappointing finish for him but I expect him to go over there he's going to play for Shane Beamer uh the head coach and Mike Bobo is going to stay there as the OC and I expect to see Caleb McDowell do great things for the South Carolina Gamecocks uh in the years to come and Chauncey Magwood, too, and Chauncey, too. Uh, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Chauncey, and he was named to our team as an athlete simply because our quarterback list was all loaded up. I said, I got to find a place to put Chauncey, and he signed with Kentucky as a wide receiver. So a uh, tremendous athlete, and he, he was fun to watch, too. Drop him in there as an ATH any time. Uh, two days down, one to go, and let's start off in AAA. And this was a game that Larry Smith and Sam Crenshaw got to call, and – had one of the loudest celebration horns that I've ever been with on site. I mean, we've been to places where they've had cannons go off, you know, for games, you know, scores and games and things like that. But the train whistle that Pierce County brought up from Blackshear, that was like one of those hockey goal horns. And when they won it, they laid on it for about 50 seconds. But once again, Travis Nolan, Oconee County, great year for them in Watkinsville, getting to the last game of the year. But history for for uh, Coach Herring and for Pierce, all of his buddies in Oxford, Alabama, were lighting up social media saying, yeah, we're watching our guy. But Pierce County gets a state championship. They do indeed. DJ Bell, the running back, of course, had a had a big part in that thing. Uh, they what? They it's like uh, for a long time we were thinking, man, we might go to overtime tied zero zero, and they go to overtime seven seven, and then uh, they they end up winning it on the touchdown. But DJ Bell with the uh, the big game there, and they had uh, two great uh, Allen Boatwright in the secondary, and Dayton Baker had two big interceptions for Pierce County to help seal that win for them and Ryan Herring got our vote as the uh, GPB all finals coach and that's a tough thing to choose so my, my kind of my thought process there was let's take the guy from the team that was the lowest ranked. And so in our preseason rankings, Pierce was ranked ninth in the state. So certainly a, not expected to be in the state finals. And so congratulations to him. Did a tremendous job with that Pierce County team all season long in Oconee County, of course, a fabulous season as well. And uh, uh, the Johnson, uh, Jake Johnson will be back with that team next year. One of the top rated tight ends in the country. So I certainly expect Oconee County will be uh, will be in the mix in, in AAA again next year. I think one of the most surprising games was Cartersville versus Warner Robins in 5A. The Demons had been here four years in a row. They finally pulled the trigger for the first time since 2004 with a 62-28 to 28 win over Cartersville. Matt, it was a running clock in the fourth, and I can't say enough about senior quarterback Jalen Addy's performance in that one, but the running cr- clock really threw me off in the 5A game. Jalen Addy accounted for six touchdowns and he bet on himself. Uh, he bet on himself in the state finals. He did not sign the early signing period when he had it. You know, he had some offers. Uh, he did not sign the early signing period. So he was banking on himself that he was going to go out there in his final game and have a big game 
on television and not just on television, but, you know, all over the place. Cause as you mentioned, John, you know, with, uh, with coach Herring, his buddies over there in Oxford, Alabama, they're watching people, all of coaches all over the country, all over the place. were watching our finals, uh, because they were the, it was the last high school football going on in the nation and a lot of attention, you know, outside of the borders of the state of Georgia on these finals. So, uh, Addy was banking on himself to go out there and have a huge game. And I don't think he could have done any better than he did. Uh, as a result, he was named the most valuable player uh, on the GPB all finals team. That means just across the board, the top player. And so, um, yeah, uh, and just a lot of pent up emotion there. I mean, Warner Robbins, you could tell, and Coach Brian Lamar pointed that out. Uh, it wasn't just emotion that carried them to a 62-28 victory over Cartersville. That team was totally prepared. They hit on all cylinders, offensively, defensively, outside of the kickoff return they gave up uh, to Sam Phillips, another young man from Cartersville who was named to our all GPB finals team. You know, outside of that one kickoff they gave up, they were hitting on all cylinders the whole day. And it was certainly good to see because they had been, they had run the gauntlet, two straight overtime losses in the finals. Uh, that would have been, you know, a, a lesser team might have given up and said, you know what, it's not worth it to go through this again and risk getting beat like that again and have that heartbreak again. But they didn't approach it that way and they end up winning the state championship. So congratulations to them. Now, 7A was the last championship of the week. And a lot of national attention was on Grayson the entire season with all the expectations. Jake Garcia comes in, and you could tell that he was college-ready in the Brookwood game that we had on Football Fridays in Georgia. But uh, it was – I mean, I, I want to use the word coronation at one point, that, but it was just Grayson did what they had to do all season long. They turned off the noise, got it done knocked off Collins Hill by 24 in the final and they're they're in the running I think for a national championship after their performance in the 7A final. I could not agree more. I think so. I think they they'll have a shot at getting that, you know, that elusive vote for the national championship. There's no playoff for it, but certainly I can't think of a team that would be any more deserving. I certainly haven't seen one any more deserving than Grayson and it. You're right. I mean, after the first couple of series, it was pretty much a, a foregone conclusion that Grayson's going to win this game. It's just a matter of what the final score is going to be. And case in point, to show you how deep they are, they lose Phil Maffa, four star, number nine ranked running back in the entire country, signed with Clemson. They lose him and you would not have ever known unless we told you that this team had lost their top running back. Uh, Joe Taylor, who was our Georgia Cotton Commission player of the game and named to our all GPB finals team. We did not even mention his name. Didn't even mention his name when we called the Brookwood game in November and they demolished, uh, you know, the, the Broncos. Um, we didn't even mention his name. And he was the Georgia Cotton Commission player of the finals. Uh, mm -hmm. Rushed for over 120 yards. Uh, Jake Garcia had, you know, by his numbers, a pedestrian game. It wasn't any spectacular stats game, but he's on the all GP finals team because if you could watch 
him play and not put him on the all-finals team, I'd have to question your football intellect and evaluation because he just looks good. Even when he doesn't do a whole lot, he looks good at what he does. He's going to be a spectacular college football quarterback. I look forward to following his career. That's for certain. But Grayson's certainly a coronation. And uh, weep not for Collins Hill because I tell you what, if I, if I was putting together my preseason rankings right now, Collins Hill would be number one in my rankings to uh, to come back and, and win it next year. Another team, I tell you, in 7A, watch for. And, you know, by the time we saw them in November, they were shot physically. They endured so many injuries. But Brookwood, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Brookwood next year, too. So those two teams, just throwing that out there in 7A, Collins Hill and Brookwood, two, uh, you know, two Gwinnett schools. Again, what a big shock. This was the third time we'd had an all-Gwinnett finals in the highest classification. And Grayson certainly won it and won it convincingly. And nobody walks away from these playoffs questioning Grayson's power and, and, their, and the season that they had. But uh, I think the all Gwinnett thing may continue next year, too. Matt, I was waiting for you to say Garcia on the all GBB finals team. You've mentioned that quite a few times here. Where can everybody see the full list of what we voted on? Uh, We got it on the it's on the website. And it's also we've all we also uh, tweeted it out. Uh, The GPB Sports uh, tweeted it out on New Year's Day. I tweeted it out on New Year's Day, and it is on the website. Uh, I believe it's under the blogs. So if you go, if you if you click on, you go to the website, click on blogs, you can see the team. So, Matt, one of the obviously one of the overarching themes of this entire season has been how the GHSA and all of its member schools and all of the uh, administrators, students, student athletes, coaches, and how everybody dealt with. COVID-19 and COVID-19 concerns and absences and games that were either made up on the fly or not made up at all. What are your takeaways on this season where an entire state from an athletics perspective was prudent? They took their time. The GHSA and executive director, Dr. Robin Hines, they just kind of, they were very, very cautious in their approach. What are some of your takeaways about this season that really was like no other? Incredible leadership from Dr. Robin Hines and the Georgia High School Association. Uh, Just absolutely from the get-go, when everybody was saying, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. He didn't try to force it. You know, and, and I was, you know, you and I, we watched, we listened to those meetings that they were holding in Thomaston back in the spring. And he didn't try to ramrod anything through. When there were objections, he listened to them. And they paused and they they evaluated everything. They had a medical board that was following it. He didn't try to force any mandates statewide. He didn't try to tell people in Rabin County what to do uh, and people in Charlton County what to do. And I'm trying to think of the two counties that could could not be more further apart. You're talking about, what, five or six hour drive. Dade so- and Decatur. How about that? There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Bainbridge, you know, and and Dade County. I mean, they're, the, the state's a long state. And if you've ever tried to drive it, you realize just how it doesn't look big on the map. But you try to drive it, it's a long way. So, and I know, Nellie, you've done it and Hannah, and so we've all been there and done that. So he didn't try to impose a set of rules, one, fit, one size fits all. Instead, he said, look, 
I can't do that, and wisely so. He said, look, I'm going to leave it up to the local administrations and regions and counties. You know what's going on in your county and in your district and your region better than I do. So I'm going to let you guys, these, these are our guidelines, but you apply them and fit them to what works best for you. And I thought that was a great stroke of wisdom, and I think it worked very well. And so from the administration standpoint, it was an A. And from the coach's standpoint, look, being a high school football coach is not glamorous. It's a hard job as it is. And it got even harder this year because coaches had to become experts on all kinds of different things, social media, on Zooms and Twitter, and to try to stay connected and communicating with their teams when, you know, because they couldn't get together as a whole team. They had to break it up and do it in groups and stuff like that. And then all the stuff they had to do as far as disinfecting uniforms, washing uniforms, uh, installing new protocols that are really contrary to the way you play the game of football with practicing in groups of four. Uh, Who's ever heard of that? That's just that's uh, uh, that's contrary to anything you do in football. But they did all that to try to make this season happen. And they were successful in doing that. So from the coaches and the administrations at the school level, congratulations to them for going the extra, extra, extra miles to make this happen, because had they not done that, we would have never pulled this off. And then uh, a shout out to GPB, because we adapted as well. We did our entire season outside of you, Nelly. We did our entire season (laughs) in studio. And I tell you what, just talking to somebody today, they didn't even know. They were like, well, did you do it virtually? And I said, yeah, I mean, unless you were tuned in to us and saw us actually on camera, you wouldn't have known that we weren't there because it was seamless and flawless. Now, I can tell you it was different, and hopefully we don't have to do it like that way in 2021. I'd like to get back to being at the stadium for all kinds of reasons, uh, you know, because it's not as easy doing it from the studio, but that's the way we had to do it. We had to adapt, and, uh, you know, shout out to Kevin Gerke, our executive director. Do you think that'll help me get a raise? <laughs> shout out to, to Kevin Gerke. I'm just joking about that. They pay me well. Uh, You know, shout out to Kevin Gerke and the entire GPB team for coming up with a plan to make it work because we had to jump through hoops and do things differently too. And uh, they did a great job. All I had to do was, you know, put a headset on and talk. Yeah, Matt, you were in Studio J. I was in Studio A. John was the only lucky one to be down on the field. It was an interesting season for sure, and one thing that sticks out to me is that John did the trophy presentation, and after every time he interviewed the coach, every single coach thanked the GHSA, and I know the spring was scary, and I caught up with some of the baseball coaches in the spring, and watching what it did to those kids was just heartbreaking, so mm-hmm. I am I'm so thankful that we got through this, and we got through it together. It was a team, plus Wayne, um, and of course, everyone behind the scenes, my producer on my shows, Lori Cover, and all the people that are involved. It, it really was just a, a fun season that I will always remember, for sure. And I think what this also does is this paves the way for 
basketball to be played, for baseball to be played, for all the spring sports to be played. Because I think there's, I I, I think, and I think rightfully so, but I, I think there's kind of a mindset like if we can do it in football, we can do it in anything. If you can make it work in football, we can make it work in anything. And so it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And hopefully as the vaccine becomes more and more mainline and mainstream and more and more people can get it, you know, maybe at some point in 2021, we can return to some sense of doing it the the normal way. Uh, But I certainly hope that we are in position now for all the sports to go forward, because you're right. Those who participated in the spring sports, not just baseball, but all the spring sports, what a disappointment it was for those seniors not to get to have a senior season. And, but it was the thing to do. I mean, there was so little known at the time about all of it. It was just, it was just unfortunate timing. And of course, uh, you know, here in this country, when so many people are still suffering from this disease and people are dying from it and, and being very ill and hospitalized from it, we don't want to trivialize it by talking about, you know, the inconveniences it caused sports. But that was part of it, too. And we are this is a GPB a podcast about high school football. So that's the subject. Just want to make sure that people don't think we're trivializing the severity uh, and the and the suffering and, and the heartbreak that this disease has caused by talking about, you know, what it meant also for sports. But that's that's been part of the picture as well. All right. Thanks so much, Matt. We appreciate it. Thank you. You know, Hannah, Matt was on the right path, you know, to get the whole season done, you know, really you have to give a lot of credit to the, the Georgia High School Association, all the schools, all the administrators, all the student athletes, all the discipline that they showed. And one of the things that we've talked to coaches about all season long here on the show is that they've had to do things differently. And it comes to coaching differently and taking approaches differently and game day being different. And we've made it through one of the the best weekends that you could have ever imagined for high school football here in the state of Georgia. It was a great showcase for all of the patience and the prudence and all of the uh, the care that went into making this season possible. Yeah, and this is kind of corny, but just the teamwork. I mean, working with you and Matt all season long and our communication and the way that everybody has been safe and uh, making sure that we're not going out and doing things we shouldn't do to keep each other safe. So it it has been one of the mo- most memorable seasons at GBB. I think Matt confirmed after we were done talking to him that it will be his eighth season coming up. It'll be my fifth season coming up. Your 11 billionth season coming up. So 26 it, it's, seasons oh, at Georgia wow. Public doing various things. So, yeah, it'll be my 27th coming up in the fall. So I feel like if we can get through this, yeah. we can basically do anything. So I, I'm ready. I'm ready to put put this season in the books, close the book and look forward to next year. You know, still want to congratulate all the teams that won and what they've no been doubt. through. What yeah. what an emotional championship year and, and they're definitely all the players and coaches are gonna look back on this too and you know, just a sigh of relief that we got through it and, and be able to win a championship during these times mm-hmm. is pretty incredible. Yep. Callaway and Pierce County getting their first ever state championships. First time in a long time for places like uh, Marist and Warner Robins. Grayson, you know, they've been a part of the championship discussion for a while. Back to back with Irwin County. Uh, 
you know, you you go through all of this, and there's great storylines all the way through Buford. Their thirteenth and twenty seasons, which is just insane when you mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah. Uh, so you know, all of the the ten champs and the history that was made off the top. It was a, it was a fun week at Georgia State Stadium. Shout out to everybody there at Georgia State for uh, making us feel as home as they always do. And a shout out to also to our our front office at GPB as well, President and CEO Taya Ryan, everybody in the administration. You mentioned our REP, Kevin Gerke, and Matt did too, uh, to make sure that we could do it. And I guess the best analogy that I gave folks this season was kind of like how NASCAR was broadcast on Fox, mm-hmm. where you had crews on site, you had personnel on site, you had play-by-play and color in another location, you're rolling commercials out of a third location. But uh, you know, just a shout out to everybody. And that credit roll that was at the end of the championships, that is a small portion of everyone that was engaged this season. So a thanks to everyone who was a part of Football Fridays this season. And thanks to everybody who uh, was hanging out with us for every word that we said all season long. I second that, John. And we hope everyone had a safe and happy holidays and a happy freaking new year, everybody. Happy freaking new year, everybody. <laughs> That's another. Uh, so uh, what else do you want to say before I sign us out for another season? I think I'll I think I'll end it right there. I think okay, I think so, that's it. So she's going to end it right there. So <laughs> Thanks I'm for listening, it. everyone. And this time of year, our shows become monthly. So just check out social media for our next show. But seriously, uh, thank you to the listeners as well and everyone engaged. I personally got received so many messages during the championships with kind words. And I tweeted back and I was just like, this is why we do high school football, because of the community and the love. And I've never really felt any hate on doing high school football. So, I mean, it's just really a special community. And and we want to thank all of our listeners as well. No doubt about it. So that is it for another season of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at GPB Media. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so. Large device or small, GPB, gpb.org, the GPB Sports app, available iOS and Android. Don't forget to like, friend, and be a part of the conversation on all the social media platforms. Follow our YouTube channel. It is the Insta, it is the Twitter, and it is Facebook as well. So don't forget, if you're not a part of any of those social media platforms, go ahead and hop onto those as well. The show is, as always, produced by the incredibly patient and irreplaceable Sean Powers. For Hannah, I'm just John. Play it safe, everybody. Enjoy the new year. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.